Hello and welcome to the Performance Through Health podcast. We aim to inspire and educate our listeners through engaging conversations on all things health and fitness, mindset, business and philosophy. My name is Martin McPhillamy and I'm your host and I hope you enjoy today's episode. Dave Clare. Martin McPhillamy. Thanks for coming around. So executive coach, author, speaker and author of Simplified. Yes. Dave, this book was probably one of the first books that I actually read on leadership and I think I've had a, you know, a bit of a conversation about you and it is simple. Yeah. It, it, how you broke that down in there has um, it's, le- it's allowed me to lay out my life in terms of my own values, yep. my life mission, and you know, discovering my purpose as well. So Fantastic. I want to thank you for that to begin with. Oh, you're um, welcome. And your purpose is really cool, by the way, because I remember when you first wrote it down and you shared it with me, I'm like, yeah, that's you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I see, I'm just here to try and make people as, as good as they can, but just ensure they live their, you know, their, their healthy life and yep. healthy mind. So, Dave, challenging times for, for mm. leadership at the moment. Yeah, very much so. In my role as a you know, as a senior at my job, uh, obviously got sort of six junior staff, and there's certainly been challenges with all the changes that be going on. Yep. And uh, no, I just wanted to have a chat with you about number one. You've got a new book out. Yeah. The, the pandemic playbook. Yeah, that's a funny story that one. So yes. Yeah, so we'll go into the story in a moment. But uh, if you wanted to give it a bit of an introduction of who Dave Clare is and uh, you know what you do. Yeah, sure. So. Um, so I'm a uh, lifelong learner of leadership. Um, most of all the work that I do has come from being a practitioner um, and then obviously learning from people throughout the years. A Canadian-born young lad that I am, uh, traveled the world not, world not extensively but enough to uh, see different parts of the world. Lived in Canada, Australia, Papua New Guinea, um, had a careers in banking and finance, run my own businesses, uh, worked for not-for-profits, large corporates, uh, and everything that I did was always in the role of leadership. So uh, I guess leadership is something that I just had a natural flair to. I, I tend to uh, give credit to my parents for good parenting, because I think you know a lot of what is leadership today is just about your attitude. So mm. most of leadership is about how you think about things. And um, so I was blissful great parenting, but I also was fortunate enough uh, back when I was here in Australia the first time to have a great mentor um, who saw something in me that I didn't see in myself. And I think that's one of the signs of a great mentor to start with. So I was blessed with great parenting, great having a great mentor, and also this drive just to you know help people. My dad was a, and still is today, even at 81 years of age, a volunteer and you know in Rotary or the JCs or whatever it is, and he's always doing something. Uh, in service of others and uh, and I guess that's where he learned all his stuff about leadership so for me it's been something that's been conditioned uh, to continue to volunteer and be of service to others so I looked for every opportunity throughout my whole life growing up to find ways just to help other people and uh, yeah so you know not a long and sordid story I'm the average middle-sized white boy with a six (laughs) dollar haircut that uh, grew up in banking and finance and Decided to take a risk every now and again and go and live in Papua New Guinea for a while, then come back, go to Canada, start my own business there, come back here, um, get involved in an offer profit and help turn that organization around, write a book. Nice. Yeah, nice. but it's but it's always been, you know, my whole life story has always been, you know, around people. Like, and I'm just a people person. I love people. Yeah. And, you know, I was always the father figure in the, in the, in the boys group that we, you know, we hung out as young lads and growing up and uh, always wanted to be a dad and you know so as a blessed father of three kids and you know uh, an amazing wife at uh, and getting to serve people every day that's 
yeah. yeah it's kind of cool I think that that service bit is something that's I've, mm. I've really picked up on changed uh, in myself mm. uh, I think you know when for me anyway growing up as a young 20 year old 25 year old it's all about you it's like where are you yeah, going the ego phase of life yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you're establishing yourself you're establishing what you who you are yeah. but I think over the last well, especially in this time over the last six weeks it's really really for actually it's not about me now it's really about mm. actually it's about the people who who I'm trying to bring into you know to, to into their roles and keep them a part of the team keep the culture right and yeah. you know, keep them um, not not basically build certainty around this uncertainty and um just more more communication more contact has really helped me with that so i think shifting that mindset set from being about me to being about them yep. has certainly helped to develop that so yeah well if you go to the, the my definition of leadership that i use that i wrote in the book which is leadership's all about helping other people become the best version of themselves so they can do their life's best work while they're in your care and beyond mm-hmm. and that means do you care about them as human beings first employee second Right. Yeah. If you reverse engineer that concept of leadership, and we're you know it's about helping other people become the best, um, and you know uh, we'll jump a little organizationally here for to start with. But if you become the best that you can be, that allows you to help other people become the best that they can be. Therefore, they can serve your clients at the best because our clients deserve our best. Yeah, yeah. So our job, and, but in in that definition that I use of leadership, nowhere in there does it say you have to have a position or a title to be a leader as well. And, and I'm sure we'll get around to it eventually, but in today's world, I think that's going to become even more hypercritical, um, you know, with potential of remote working and all this sort of stuff that's happening right now. And, you know, we need to make sure we continue to help people be the best because our clients deserve our best um, and that you don't have to have a position or title. Because right now, I believe everybody's responsible for helping to lift mm. everybody up in the organization because sometimes, uh, you know, your boss or your team who look up to you, um, you might need yeah exactly yeah and to help you no there's certainly i mean there's because there is no nobody knows no one's ever dealt with this before no exactly and i think i think uh you know a lot of younger individuals particularly look up to seniors and go oh no i need support here support Mm -hmm. but also forgetting that they're also humans as well Mm -hmm. yeah and that you know someone 30 40 year old could could still have a breakdown in this times and you know at the end of the day if especially if it's their business and they can see it crumbling in front of them or yeah it's just it's going away it's like sometimes you you, well you will have to step up everyone has to try and step up and i think uh yeah you definitely definitely agree mm. there it's not it's not about a title it's about it's about an attitude no and and you know so i'm really fascinated to see there's a lot of people who have leadership positions or leadership titles or manager titles right now martin and and i'd be interested to see how many of them actually step into leadership now mm. because mm. I, I would say most people with a, in a leadership role were actually managers because f- for me and I, I think i talked about in the book that it's um you know, most of what we call leadership today is actually just modern management practices. Yeah. That's what people think leadership is. Yeah. So define, so define the difference between management and leadership. Then, yeah. So the, the simplest way is like leadership is an art management is a science. You lead people, you manage resources. And people are not a resource. Yeah. You know, and I appreciate we have human resources. But, you know, do you like when you go to your place of employment, Martin, and people like treat you as an co- expendable commodity, a means to an end, a, you know, as a resource? Or no, do you no, want to no. feel like you're a part of something? Exactly. It's, I think it comes down to looking at a hu- as them as a human. Yeah. Everyone's a human as a behavior. There's emotion. There's, That's right. There's, they want to be a part of the. Uh, you have dreams, goals, desires as much yeah. as your people do. So leadership's all about the people, and management's about the science and the numbers and the, you know, um, you don't manage people. Mm. You lead people, right? Because people want to be inspired. They want to be empowered. They want to be engaged. They want all this stuff. They don't want to be managed. 
Yeah. Um, and this is why a lot of organizations right now are struggling to manage their people who are working from home. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. of because course. They, yeah, because they're not around. It's, it's hard to kind of just focus and have that right. continual just uh, uh, checking in, like mm-hmm. popping in the office, see where they are. It's, yeah, it's a bit different. But, but organizations that have amazing cultures who are empowering their people, who have engaged workforce, who are helping to you know their team to become the best, they're, they're doing okay with working from home. Mm. You know, systematically, they have to set up a few things and stuff, but actually from, uh, you know, trusting their people to be working and doing the right thing. And, yeah. you know, as other ones are like, well, how am I supposed to trust that they're getting stuff done? And, you know, like, well, then you're a manager, not a leader. Yeah. You haven't led. But I've now's seen. your chance to step into leadership, though. Um, so just because you haven't been doesn't mean you can't. It just means you haven't really, you know, from, from my perspective, taken or embraced what leadership's really about. Yeah, I've certainly seen. So those um, are subtle differences there. Thank yeah. you. I've had a, you know, a couple of conversations with a few people who work in you know, reasonably big businesses yep. and that are quite established and have, according to them, have a good culture. And they've really taken on to 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 uh, working from home. That it's now actually mm. going to be part of, and I think it's going to be part of the future anyway. It's going to change. But they've, yeah. they've, they've turned right. I think we can actually probably just do this from home now, rather mm. than having to, especially human resources. Yeah, the human resources and the you know, the admin is like right, well. Do we really need to come into an office anymore yeah. if we can do it from home? Yeah, and, well, and this is this is the really fascinating part. One of, one of my clients, um, they, they've got a beautiful old building at Mount Lolly, and um, they're kind of reached capacity in terms of space. And this was you know pre-pandemic, if you like. And I was having a conversation with one of the three owners, the the, the directors of the organization, and I said, Brett, how cool is it now? And he goes, What do you mean? He goes, Like, well, you've just shown that you can get all your team to work from home. And this, you know, thought of having to get possibly a new building or a new facility and all the hassles that will come with that. You can have, two, you know, your employees work from home two days a week and all of a sudden you freed up 40% capacity in your existing building because two days out of five, they're not going to be there. You can hot desk the place, turn mm-hmm. it into some fancy Google looking spot and you don't have to worry about it. You've got increased capacity now because you've just demonstrated you can have people working from home and it works really well because their organization is, hasn't skipped a beat basically. Yeah, exactly. Um, but now all of a sudden they have this capacity in their facility to. Yeah, any yeah. any business obviously can re- reduce costs or bring other revenue yeah. in from renting that sort of that is yeah. going to be you know, beneficial, isn't it? So I think yeah. there's been huge opportunities arise. Yeah, but the other and I, and I wrote a post on LinkedIn about this uh, so yesterday the day before that one of the exciting parts of this is now it's really opened people's eyes and maybe their hearts and minds to the fact that if you, if I can have people working from home. To serve my business, do I need to source people locally anymore? True. Yeah, never right? thought about that. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, so it, you know, if you can have a, if you realize, oh wow, we found a way that we can have this particular role work from home. So if they can work from home, they can pretty much work from anywhere. Then, mm. you know, yes, it'd be nice to be able to have them come into the office from time to time. But if you've got a, if you've identified a role that can permanently be working from home now, yeah, well, then that allows you to access talent anywhere in the world. And yeah. getting back to that concept of you know our clients deserve our best, and it's not to say we won't find the best people locally, but. It certainly opens up to 7.7 billion people that you can find somebody in. So, you know, if you're sitting there struggling to find somebody for that role, but you know that role can work from home, then open your mind up to realize that there's 7 billion people across the pond. A bit that, of a bigger bucket, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, that's right. So you can, your access to global talent, which has always been there, it's just opened your eyes up to that. And this is, you know, so what I've found with a lot of leaders right now, and even for myself, because part of my own reflection is that, you know, 
what I think matters, what I thought doesn't matter anymore. Mm. My personal and professional biases are irrelevant. Yeah. So my personal or professional, if I had a professional bias that, you know, I have to source talent locally because I need them to be able to come here, you know, well, guess what? And if you've just proven that some roles can be done from home permanently, well, you can now source talent anywhere in the world. That bias is no longer existing. What do you think that's going to do to companies? Well, I'm hoping it's going to raise the bar of service and quality yeah. and productivity. And um, and as a consumer, this is all we should want. Yeah. Right. Better products, more creative. Yeah, yeah. We're gonna have a lot of access to a lot, no, a lot more people and more people. And they think of the, at the moment, obviously, there's a lot of issue with employment rates all, oh, yeah. you know, all yep. around the world at the moment. And at the moment, yes. Obviously, it's going to come back when the economy starts opening up again, and America starts opening up again, Australia starts opening up yep. again, UK and stuff. But um, I think that's something that they really need to pay, pay attention to, to to employ people so like actually you don't need to have someone in an office anymore you can just employ them via zoom yeah or any means of yeah electronic. some online work and stuff like that and you know um, i used to joke about you know as my plans for my organization you know expands and scales across australia and, and then into the world as so i go for world domination the um that i'd be sitting in my office like this and there'd be a big blank wall in front of me but it would be a permanent live stream to my office if I had an office in Canada. So I'm sitting in my Australian office and there's the office in Canada and Mary from accounts walks by the screen uh, and I go, hey Mary, you got a second, I'll walk up to the wall. She walks up to her wall and we're just, we're both talking to a wall but we see each other. It's like a permanent window into, and we're like, hey, can you uh, grab Bill from accounts? I just want to talk to him about this uh, deal with this this client and, and then he comes to the wall or, you know, and. But we can do that now. Yeah. You know, yeah. imagine like a, a webinar or like a sort of whatever, one of these video, we'll say Zoom, WebEx, you yeah, know, whatever yeah, it is, yeah. go to yeah. meetings permanently zinging on the wall here yeah, and true. there, yeah, yeah. and they're seeing yeah. the other side. Um, and so you could be looking at your team sitting there on the other side of the country or another part of the world, and they're seeing you as if you're in the same building. Mm. Yeah, yeah. It's, like, cer- it's certainly, it's insane. Like it's uh, obviously the, the whole world is heading towards a technolo- technological age, a digital mm. age. I think all this pandemic done has just gone, boom. We've just yeah, sped us up by five, 10 years. It's like, just forced it and thrust it upon us. Right? Yeah. And it was always going to happen. Exactly. But we were resisting it. Mm. Um, but even what's even cooler though is, you know, the way I look at things and I go, well, you know, with, the, you know, Microsoft Teams, I can do video uh, live conferencing through that. You know, there's Zoom, GoToMeeting, WebEx, all these other cool platforms. They're all now accelerating mm. their product, their offering, their service, the quality, the safety, the... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, because whilst we've gone from not working at home, in, in most cases, to almost everybody working at home, uh, it will swing back a certain way, but I don't think it'll go all the way back no. to where it was. And so these, and then as we start to see, you know, cooler and more, you know, functionality and security and safety and stuff like that. And uh, we'll just embrace that a lot more as a way to lead or run organizations um, virtually. And there's a lot of people who have been doing it already, even back in, you know, we've had people who have had offshored their workforce mm-hmm. that they, they still would connect via some video conferencing. So the organizations have been doing this for years. It's not like it's something new. No, no, it's certainly, um, you know, and I also, you know, so you look at it, I just think that all that technology is going to raise with it as well, because they've just realized, you know, holy crap, look at this stuff. There's a greater acceptance for this now as the way forward. We need to make sure we're prepared for that. Yeah. And, uh, and if you look at it from a business point of view, um, like for, for me, once again, one of my biases was 
that if I had offered a part of my process I have with my clients, you know, weekly accountability, which was always online anyway, then I have my monthly and my quarterly, but those monthly sessions and the quarterly sessions always had to be face to face. Yeah. Now I've been doing them over yeah. Zoom or, right, or uh, depending on what the clients are, um, Microsoft Teams and stuff like that, which has been really cool. But the marketplace now is accepting that as a absolutely A-grade level of service. Mm. So what was once B-grade is now A-grade. So no different for me, like even for clients, I would, my plan was to you know, build Perth and then Brisbane and then Melbourne, Sydney, all that sort of stuff, and then move over to the next country and so on and so on. Um, because the need to still be face to face. Yeah. Now I've gone from two million businesses in Australia as a potential market for me to be of service to to ninety odd million in my niche around the world. Yeah. Because they're everyone's accepting of the fact that having an online yeah. session is A grade. Oh, well, we're seeing it in uh, in the medical field as well. Mm. You know, the Medicare are now rebating for like teleconferences and video yeah. conferences, and obviously there's the aspect of um, of the virus, so you can't you know, you're yeah. trying to avoid the social distancing and stuff like that. But that's still going to be a part of, of of what Medicare do, yeah, and, yeah. and and we're de- definitely going to be building it into 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 our you know, moving forward into our business, yeah. and, and you know, it's, it's certainly created a lot of opportunities in in, in my mind. Well, so. in the medical world, I mean, there was already so much advancement happening with technology and you know bio. Mm things, wearable yeah. technologies and all that sort of stuff to take, you You know, he, like my dad's got his own little diabetes and mm. blood pressure and all the bits and pieces he takes and stuff like that little computer thing that spits out and he just sends his reports in and whatever. Like that's only going to, you could be sitting here across from your GP and you just put in your data or you just sit there and even the, it'll get analyzed or something in your laptop or whatever, you know, and you won't even have to go see the doctor. Yeah. It's insane where it's going. I'm oh. uh, it, it, like, I mean, in medicine, anyway, obviously the technology in there is is incredible. Yeah. yeah so what we're doing there, but so that's what you know, the thoughts of going forward. Yep. Now, obviously, you, you know your, your new book that you've wrote, the Panda, Pandemic <clears throat> Playbook. That's a that's a book for people who are just kind of frozen and stuck and not knowing what to do right now. Well, which is probably much for all of us. Yeah. Right now, like uh, uh, I'll explain the story because it'd be easier to understand what the book's for. Yeah. Um, so I was speaking to one of my friends, uh, Andrew Priestley, who's a uh, one of the top. 10 top 100 coaches in the UK. Um, he's like six other books he's published, best-selling author, etc. And uh, I was just telling him a story about one of my clients back in the early days of this beginning of this pandemic. Um, and he was, you know, obviously rightfully concerned, like, oh, God, Dave, like, I'm not sure what to do. And, you know, like, this is, I don't know how we can move forward, what are we going to do, how we can do this remote stuff. And I'm like, just, it's okay, hang on chill a second. Grab your pandemic playbook, open it up to page 42, chapter three, and tell me what it says you should be doing right now. And he's like, this over Zoom call, and he's like, is there a book? <laughs> and I'm like, no. And I said, like, there is no pandemic playbook. There is nothing. No one's been through this. You know, yes, we've been, business have been through things, and industry's been through things. And, you know, if you, in our generation, nobody's really been through this. I mean, you can go back to, to the World War when they shut stuff down, and, yeah. you know, possibly. But outside of that, yeah. nothing has shut the world down in eight weeks. Yeah, we've lived like, a like, comfortable, comfortable life, haven't we? Yeah, yeah, you know. <laughs> and anyway, so I was sharing this with Andrew, and he said, yeah, you know what, you're right. We should write one. Yeah. And I'm like... Yeah, let's do it. And he said, we'll do it in a week. And I'm like, okay, because it took me two years to write the first one. (laughs) Simplified. Yeah, simplified, yeah. It's like two years to write the first one. He said, let's do this one in five days. I'm like, okay. He said, all right, you write the foreword because you would got the story behind it. And I'll do this. And I said, okay. He said, what are we going to put in the content? And he's like, yeah, let me think of that. I said, I got the idea. Let's make it blank. Yeah, okay. (laughs) It's just nothing. And he said, that's brilliant. Let's do that. Um, and so the book itself is not blank, but it's got 
um, play number one through to 120. So there's 120 pages. There's a small, simple framework on it. Okay. Like it, to, to question and stuff. So it's so what it's actually, it's more of a journal. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Because uh, and, and and this might seem a little bit doomy and gloomy, but you know, right now and the, for the, we thought we'd write this and. Uh, I'll just get through this bit quickly. So we wrote the book. We did that. Got it all set up. All proceeds are going to the Clear Sky charity in the UK for the, which is domestic violence for yeah. with for kids, um, because you can imagine, obviously, from a domestic violence, if you're mm. a family or someone who suffers from that, now everyone working from home, that's more pressure, only exponential. Yeah, of the, the challenge and pressure that you're under. So, yeah. and Andrew's the chairman of that charity. So I said, mate, yeah, not so. This wasn't a money thing for us or anything like that. It was a bit of a fun. Thing to do, um, but also what we realize is that you know if you look at what we're going through right now, and I'll say this with the greatest empathy and, and that and understanding that a lot of people are suffering right now, Martin, financially, physically, everything like that, or know somebody who is, is that we can almost be grateful that it wasn't worse than this. Yeah, of course. You know, yeah. like because this if this was something that you know like Ebola or something that that actually just kills well, you up straight away. Yeah. yeah, we wouldn't have been ready. No. Right, there'd be a lot more deaths than there are right now. Yeah. Um, but if you think about that, and then you also think about what's possibly after a massive earthquake. This is the biggest earthquake the world's ever felt, um, personally and professionally and financially and everything. What do they tell us? What do they warn us of after an earthquake? It's the tsunami that's coming. Correct. After, yeah. So the tsunami in this case could be. A recession could be a depression. Mm-hmm. It could be, you know, if you look financially, who's going to pay for all this money? The stimulus package. Where did all that money come from? So there could be a financial tsunami coming in terms of that, or um, there could be something else future coming up. So if you have the pandemic playbook and you're writing down all the things that you did because one didn't exist before, but you're creating your own mm. pandemic playbook of all the thoughts and decisions that you made, and then you. Good or bad, because you know none of us will know whether our decisions were good or bad. Maybe in time and hindsight, we'll be able to look back. Oh, geez, that probably wasn't the smartest thing to do there. But if something else ever comes along, whether it's at this scale, but or that will impact yourself, your life, or your business, you have now have a history of the the plays that you made yeah, and what yeah. worked and what didn't yeah. work. Yeah, and that was what our hope for the book was. Yeah, or is that. People will be able to write their own playbook. It's not our playbook because Andrew and I, neither of us, have been through this, mm. and mm. so we're we're writing our own playbook as well as we go along. Yeah. So the whole point of the book was for you to allow you to write your own yeah. playbook, so you have something to go back to now if something does of same or similar significance, or even any man, if something even half the significance happened, it would be yeah, yeah. still devastating for a lot of people. Um, I, I love that, so. Dave, because um, t- t- on two reasons. Mm-hmm. The first reason, obviously, when, when there's chaos, your brain's just going everywhere. Yeah. Like people who are creative, yeah. like, I'm very open, quite creative. My, my mind's going constantly, always thinking about, yeah. okay, what can we do? And I sometimes I can't capture those thoughts. Yeah. They're just a fleeting thing that just goes away. So if I've got a playbook and I can write that down and put some structure to it yep. or just get it down somewhere, then it, it allows me to free my mind up so I can actually just go, right, okay, those out of those top 10 thoughts there, which ones are, you know, are the best yep. or what's the priority? Can I put those in there? Yeah. And like you say, if you come back to it, you've also got that structure or the, you know, the abstraction of what was successful last time we went yeah. through this. Or what wasn't successful yeah, yeah, yeah. last time we went through yeah. this. Yeah. And so you've got all that to learn that you haven't lost that learning. Mm. Um, you know, because I've always said like, you know, crisis is a magnificent teacher, but most of us as leaders or managers are lousy students. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and how many times we do things, but we don't 
record whether that worked or not. With like, just oh, that didn't work, so I'll do something else. But we don't. And you, you know, as a scientist, you need to collect data and test, yeah, and yeah, yeah. you know, think what worked, what didn't work, and collect data and do that sort of stuff, yeah. so you can make smarter decisions as you move forward. It's no different in business. Once again, management's about science of business. So where do you have to go back to some of the decisions that were made? Yeah, yeah. And so that that was that's the intent for the book. So. In- yeah, interesting. Like and just- it was done in yeah. We started on the idea on a Tuesday, which was quite funny because I have all those technical problems as you were aware that I had that had no my laptop Up crashed, yeah, laptop and <laughs> so, everything broke. Yeah, so everything sort of died at the same time. I thought Bill Gates had to get me my Surface Pro died. He's going to try to sell me some new laptop or something that's going to come out. You watch, and then uh, yeah, so we're doing all that, and I still had to find a way to get the forward done, do everything, send it up, you know, get up my old clunky laptop and. Uh, and we wrote the book in from started Tuesday and we finished it on Sunday. It was uploaded to Amazon on Sunday, and then by the time it was like the next Tuesday, it was available. Excellent. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, and that's uh, you. You saying earlier on that that's already sold out in some. In some well, yeah, like Canada. Well. Like my buddies in Canada are sending me messages back and forth saying they've canceled my order, and it's just like yeah, so they can't. Amazon couldn't get and Amazon couldn't ship to Australia because Andrew loaded it up on his UK uh, as co-authors. Um, because obviously then it goes to the char- funds go straight to the charity that way, um, but um, and Amazon couldn't ship to Australia of course right now because what's going on is we're, we're kind of laughing like what a modern world we live in when you can't get a book printed in Australia, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and he's like, yeah, how funny is that? Um, so we uh, uh, so now we're looking at sourcing it through another printing and uh, we'll just put it up online on a uh, on a website and we'll just get the printing direct to yeah. people so Excellent. yeah yeah but it did sell out in the uk for what they could get printed so which was exciting you know because once again all proceeds go to the charity so for me that's that's the exciting part i think last time i looked um it was like number 300 in business books in the uk so nice yeah okay. yeah well so just the more success it has the more the charity makes things. of course of course now um obviously we, we've simplified yeah. uh, when, when you were writing simplified that yeah. was you know, to support leaders to yep. um uh, it, well, what it did for me is it allowed me to put a structure to uh, to, to who i am but yep. also who the business is yeah and obviously they've got to be aligned mm. <laughs> no, if yep. you, and you can see that often i think you can see that when that doesn't happen in business it's when you've yeah. got a leader who isn't aligned with exactly what they're saying there's no con- congruency there yep it uh, it just doesn't work correct um so you know if if people are out there uh, what i'm seeing is is uh, we are at a fearful time but it's also a, an opportunity where people can start business as well and yeah. grow with the times yeah. now me personally obviously i've had my performance through health thing it's, as a business it hasn't really gone anywhere because my focus has been on so many different things yeah. um if people are trying to start a business or if they're just getting a bit of, bit of cash flow just slowly going through mm. How would you talk and what would structure would you take them through in terms of the stuff you've got in Simplified? Yeah, absolutely. Um, firstly, I want to preface before you that uh, for a lot of businesses out there right now, and you say, you know, people aren't aligned or connected to their mm-hmm. business. Um, you know, I'm a firm believer that a bucket with a small hole in the bottom of it empties just as much as one that's deliberately kicked over. Mm. So a lot of people's businesses, uh, you know, COVID-19, the pandemic, whatever you want to refer to it as, it just came and kicked a whole bunch of people's buckets over okay. right now. All right. So... Um, but those buckets were already leaking. And, you know, and, and I once again say the great empathy because I appreciate the, the pain and suffering that people might be going through as they fear, fear the loss of their business. But some of them I'd ask them to go deep into their heart and soul and ask if that business was going to last or if they were really connected to that business or they really were passionate about it. Um, because now is the greatest opportunity for you to find something that you're really passionate about because you were to fall back in love with why you were doing what you were doing as a business. 
um, you know, and, and something I said to one of my buddies back up in Geraldton when I lived up there probably five, six years ago, I said, uh, Hoppy, he was just created this really cool app for his business. And he was so excited about that because he was, you know, his business was very successful. And then looking at this app that he created and I'm like, Hoppy, the business you're not in yet is way bigger than the one you are and you just don't know it yet. Mm. Right. And mm-hmm. so for, even for you, when you look at there, now is your opportunity to look at is the business that you're not in yet way bigger than the one you are in. You just don't know it yet. Yeah. Um, and so my advice from simplified, which is really cool because the, I wanted to write a timeless book that would, you know, um, somebody asked me my book coach when I was doing it, he said, do you want to write a fad book or do you want to write a book that's your legacy? And I said, well, I want to write my legacy book as my first book. Yeah. And so to me, I wanted one that transcended time. And that's why I kept it very simple because these fundamentals of been for hundreds of years before us and will exist a hundred years after us. Um, And so the first thing I would challenge people to do right now is get very clear on, you know, the people you want to be of service to, Mm -hmm. who would you love to be of service to? What is the biggest problem that they have in their world? And what are you most passionate about? And as you, when you work out your own thing, you know, so I believe that your sense of purpose of your business um, lies at the crossroad of the, the problem you see in your the world, your world, which is doesn't have to be the world, but your world, yeah. and the thing you're most passionate about doing. Um, and you know, so those people who are extremely passionate about what they're doing, they're finding a way through this right now. Yeah, of course. Right? Because passion, uh, if you go to the etymology or the root of the word passion, it means suffering, mm-hmm. right? So, uh, you know, what are you willing to suffer? What are you willing to sacrifice for? Because when you're working on solving a problem that you're willing to sacrifice for, when things get tough, you don't quit. No. You find a way. You find a way through. With a very powerful and inspiring or all-encompassing why, we'll find many hows and many whats. So for people right now, if you're going to start a business right now, make sure it's something that you're, it's, it's at the crossroads of something you're extremely passionate about. And then the problem that you see in your world. Um, you don't have to be like Elon Musk and want to solve the whole world's problems. <laughs> but, I, but I assure you if, you, if you're solving problems in your world, that will impact the, the world of those people, which will impact the world. Of course. Um, so because some people are like, oh, I don't have this world-changing purpose. Well, you, you don't. You just need one that's for the people you want to serve, that world. Mm. Um, and that's one of the things I find with people who are trying to find purpose or the sense of vision for their life or their organization is they put this weight or burden on themselves that it has to be something that's going to change the whole world. Yeah. I assure you it will if yeah. you just focus on your world. Yeah. Because it's like throwing the pebble into the pond and start the ripple effect, it will. Yeah. But don't put that pressure on yourself that you have to come up with this full whole world for humanity. Do something that is helps humanity in terms of the people you want to serve. Yeah, I mean, I can certainly resonate with that on the, you know, the sort of thing that I do in terms of health coaching. It's like, in, I have to you know, do the small things for me first. Yep. You've said this earlier, yeah. so you've got to be the best version of you yep. first before you can expand to the, to, the big, to the bigger things. And I think it's Jordan Peterson's you know, his, his phrase, it's like, clean your room. A lot of people take that out of perspective. But it's like, yep. basically, sort the small things out, get yep. them in order, and that is going to have a big impact on the community and the next step. Just like, but you have to start somewhere. Yeah. And in times where people are, you know, are fearful like they are now, it's like mm. I had it now. I did my last podcast was on was on fear. It's like a grand vision can be a bit too big for people. Yeah. And if you're getting frozen, you're getting stuck, and you can't move forward, it's because you can't. You've got to break those. You know, you've got to break it down to what's the next thing that you can be doing to That's take right. you forward and keep you get some momentum. Yeah, I sometimes like, and this is the same way. And I talk to people about building a strategy for their organization in terms of their mission. What's the next evolution of their business? Is it's sometimes I liken it to walking into the fog. Mm. So we're, when we're standing here and we see where that wall is, that's the fog. We that's as far as we can see. 
right? So walk as far as you can see. One of my buddy Chris Cumbie in his book, Success Playbook, he's got, it says, you know, walk as far as you can see, then you'll be able to see a little further. So you, but when you get into the, to the, where the fog is and you step into the fog, what can you do when you're in the fog? Yeah. You see a little further in yeah. the fog. Yeah. Right? But so if we set this thing this way in the fog, we can't see, then we're, we're like, because, you know, we are like, I've, I don't know in the UK, but in Canada, I dro- drove through a blizzard once. <laughs> and literally, mate, like I drove into this, going down this, uh, had to take back way, the, the, the 400 highway was closed with a hundred and something car pile up and I needed to get home. So I took the back country roads and thought that was great. But then there's this massive whiteout and a blizzard come through and, and I'm driving down this road and into this gully and I've got like five or six cars behind me and I drive in this thing. And the, the only way I could drive was I put my wheels up against the, the edge of the snowbank and just felt the edge all the way. Then I just kept driving, driving with the edge along. And, and I'm like, as I'm edging my way through, I can't even see my windshield wipers. I can't yeah. see my wing mirrors. Yeah. All I've got is snow. I'm in like this white bubble and also in this glare of light. So a car coming the other way has gone by oh. and I've driven through and it felt like it was like an hour in there, but it was like probably like five minutes, <laughs> but you're just driving so slowly. Right. And I'm sitting here going like, but, but I was rubbing the edges cause I couldn't see, but I needed to find something to give me some sense of guidance. Yeah. And then eventually I finally come out the other side and I just like stopped cause I was freaking out. <laughs> like, Ooh, I survived that. <laughs> Got out and you were someone's farm. Just yeah. Like. <laughs> yeah. My car wasn't the greatest car in the world at the time, but uh, we used to call it the gangster. It was this low, <laughs> this, um, but it worked really good in the snow. Um, but I sat there for five minutes afterwards and nobody came out. Yeah. And yeah. I, and I couldn't turn around and go back in. Yeah, of course. Um, but yeah, but like, so when you're driving, sometimes like you go into there, you got to find where the edges are, but you know, then just something that I could, and, and I've just danced on the edges. Yeah. Um, and same thing for us when we're moving forward or stuff like that, just go as far as you can see. Okay. But yeah, as you yeah. go and yeah. you walk into that fog, you can see further into the fog. So I like your idea, you know, and this goes, it touches on that. It's like the, you start with the vision, but mm-hmm. then reverse and engineering that. Is, yeah. is that how you create the strategy? Yeah, yeah. So, so for me, like once you've got your, your, your sense of purpose clear for your business, so yeah. performance or health, you know exactly why your business exists, mm-hmm. the problem you're most passionate about solving the world, um, you know, as per the book. And then I, the next thing I would challenge you on before you even worry about your vision and anything like that is what are your values? Yeah. You know, how are you going to, so you know why you want to do what you do. Um, but what makes you unique in the way you think about wanting to solve that problem? Mm-hmm. Because, you know, we all know that, you know, Simon Sinek and his golden circle and all that says people buy the why, buy why you do what you do. Yeah. But I'm a firm believer your values are why they buy it from you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you know, that is why people buy, absolutely. So you have clear sense of purpose. Uh, but there's a lot of other organizations who might do something similar to that. So people are going to buy that. Mm-hmm. But why would they buy it from you, Mark? Yeah, yeah. It's because how yeah. you uniquely think about solving that problem. Yeah. So you're, people buy the why, but your values are why they buy it from you. Yeah, I can certainly relate to that. I think uh, going back to you know maybe two or three years ago when I was, um, I, you know, I, I probably created a persona of an individual who I wasn't when I first come from the UK to, to Australia. And um, you know, I was going out drinking all the time, having a party all the time. But mm. I probably de-aligned or, or demissed or come offline from my, from my true values and just feel, felt the urge to be accepted by others. And that kind of mm. brought people into my life who actually I didn't want to have in my life, to be fair. And, um, Isn't that funny? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, then it took me uh, a little while to, to restructure and go, okay, well, right, I'm in a bad place now, feeling down, depressed, now, not, not, not doing too well at all with work or anything like that. Mm. What, where's the first place that I go? The first thing I did was actually just go back to my values. Mm. And actually, I'm wearing my values tonight, today, right here. Yeah. And like, 
I wrote these four values down and to keep me in line, I put them on a necklace and I'll yeah. wear them. But what that allowed me to do is it allowed me to be, number one, me, yeah. and number two, attract people who are like me. Yeah. So just like you're saying, you know, yeah. if you're, you've got your value structure, you, what mm. you're trying to do is you know, you're, you're going to bring clients that look at that and go, okay, I agree with those values. I agree with how they're behaving mm. and, and uh, you know, that, that the, the guiding principles that they have, which is what yeah. values are. Right. And they feel accepted or, or attracted to that. That's right. And that's why I say, you know, purpose drives, but values guide. Mm. Um, and, and the funny thing, is, and this is where I probably look at values subtly different to a lot of other people who do values work, is that firstly, I think they're the unique thinking. Mm-hmm. They're not the commonplace. Um, and then, you know, not to judge anybody's values in terms of that you choose whatever you want. As long as you're leading it, living it, and loving it every day, that's all I care about in the first part. Uh, but, but what I really want to look, what I challenge people on is, you know, when we talk about, you know, service, honesty, integrity, and trust, you know, what I call shit values, mm-hmm. it's an acronym, not a swear word, <laughs> um, is that those should be price of entry into business, right? The price of entry to being a human being, mm-hmm. a meaningful human being contributing to society. <clears throat> it shouldn't be what makes you unique in the way you think about it. Now, I appreciate in some instances it does make <laughs> some people in some industries or some businesses unique because not people aren't leading them, living them, or loving them. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I challenge to find out what is the unique way that you think about solving that problem. And the second part of values to understand is that sometimes it doesn't mean that people have to, um, too many people think, well, if they're not in alignment with my values, well, you know, define alignment. My, my thing is as long as they don't reject at your values, because they're, they're almost like the guardians of your purpose. They're there to guide you, but they're also the guardians of your purpose so that um, if you bring people in that, that it rejects that, because, you know, your values might be subtly different to somebody else's, but they don't reject so that doesn't mean you can't work with them. But if it did reject, then you yeah. shouldn't be working with them. Exactly. Or them as a client or them as an employee or in whatever field or whatever it is that you might want to do is, does it reject at my values? Yeah, yeah. Because if it doesn't reject at your values, then it's a little bit easier to make a values, you know, uh, internalize where, where the, the fit is or the alignment is inside that. But the first thing I say is, does it reject at any of your values? Yeah, and then that impacts the. Obviously, if you don't get people who uh, you know are in line with your values, obviously that just disrupts the culture of the business. Well, have you ever worked with somebody that you knew when you made the decision? That like I remember back in Canada, my business I had in Canada, probably one of my fourth or fifth clients that I'd signed up um, to a process that I was doing with the, with a group of people, and I just knew. But you know what? I was like. Oh, no, I'll just do it. Like, make the group bigger. Just all these rational justifications yeah. in my head as to why. Ended up being my biggest pain in the ass client, something <laughs> I wish I'd never done. But I knew in my heart of heart that it wasn't the right type of client for me to be working with. Yeah. Um, and that taught me a very powerful lesson. Did that teach you? Because uh, obviously, especially as a new individual in mm. business, you just want clients, right? So, yeah. and that's where I was back then in 1999. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, I mean, I've I think I've definitely picked up a couple of clients. Mm. They've only lasted like two or three weeks, four mm. weeks, and I, I look at myself and go, yeah. Did I really? Um, I guess analyze who they were first to mm. to go. Are they the right client to work with me? It's like no, I just want. I just, Desperate for clients, just want to just want to work with people, right. and then it doesn't work out. So, is that what you're kind of saying? Is yeah. actually you, you have to have the, that sort of individual has to be able to work with you first. Yeah, well, like uh, you know, I, I do a bit of sales training. I'm not a sales trainer by any means. There's a lot more qualified people to that. But one of the things I say to salespeople is, you don't have to sell to everybody. Mm. One lesson that I learned, just sharing from a practical point of view, is you don't have to sell to everybody. 
And that's something that I learned. Yeah. Um, because it's a very dangerous thing. But the challenge is, especially when you're like, you know, I, I just need to have customers, I need more customers, is if we, if we don't have a clear understanding of who those customers are and why and what types of clients we want to be able to serve, to, give service to, mm-hmm. then you will sell to everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And, but you know, I did it. I had to learn. You've done it. Yeah. You had to learn. Sometimes we, any one of us can advise you to do that. But until you do it yourself and you find out the pain, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. and it doesn't make those people bad people. It just, it just, just once again, it rejected at the way I think about business. To have, I'm not the way they want to do business just isn't the way I like to do it. Well, I guess in a way, it's like it, it, if the sales structure is just too broad that you're mm-hmm. selling to everybody, you, you mm-hmm. can't you can't make it individual, so that person's not going to buy into that anyway. Yeah. So if you're not number one, sales is also the first thing is finding out what do they want, what yeah, yeah. point are you trying mm-hmm. to you know, trying to just trying to support and serve them with. Mm-hmm. If you're just going on a broad scale and going to everybody, yep. if people are not going to feel connected with it, and that's when they're going to go, oh, you're just the used car salesman. That's right. They're just going to see straight through that because it's not personal. No, um, and so one of my Clearisms, you'll see. But uh, funny if it's even in that book. Um, but you know, when you try to be everything to everybody, you become nothing to somebody. Yeah, yeah. Right. Totally. And and so that was something that I learned for myself. Is that when you're trying to just be everything to everybody, then you're nothing to somebody. And you know, there's a lot of talk about niching in your market. I know there's a little bit off track of values at the moment, but when you really get clear on who you want to be of service to, mm. who that it doesn't mean you can't serve other people. And it's like people are afraid to niche because they're afraid to go, oh, yeah, but then that blocks out the rest of this whole market or opportunity or industry or demographic. No, like in my niche and the people who I really enjoy serving um, and what I've found is to be where, uh, you know, that that's the best place for me to target and and to speak to and, you know, because they're the challenges they're having in their industry. Two of my largest clients aren't from within my niche. Yeah. But they were referrals from within my niche, you know, so... You know, I might be talking to this one person, but everybody else is listening. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Right? But I still need to have those values in place to make sure that I'm not allowing people in who reject yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At my values. Yeah, definitely. Network. So so when you, you have that really clear sense of purpose and why you want to do business, you've got a, your unique thinking. And, you know, I would always challenge people to um, no more than four to six because this yeah. is like your core values. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. these are the ones, and what I also challenge people on is like, you know, you could have like, there was some time in the early 2000s stuff where people are getting 10 values, 10 was the number, and, you know, values, you, you not only have to memorize them, but you have to be mesmerized by them in terms of you have to, you know, love them. There's got to be some emotion in that, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's why I say, like, because there's commonplace values, yeah. right? So they're very practical or pragmatic, which are one of the corporate rhetoric values. And then there's these magical values that people have, which, you know, love your work and, mm-hmm. you know, and all this sort of stuff. And I say, well, I look for practical magic okay. in terms of it has to be practical because values are there as a tool to empower your team to make smarter decisions um, in alignment, mm-hmm. right? Here's how we think around here, not what to think, but here's how we think around here. Um, so they need to have that um, sense of practical or pragmatic, but they need to also have that emotional context to them. So, you know, this is our unique thinking and how I think determines how I act. And so if they don't have the combination of both, um, then there's going to be that lack of emotional connection to it. It'll just be a logical, pragmatic, or it'll just be this emotional, fluffy thing that we don't know. How do you define that? Yeah. You know? And I always laugh like this, you know, love your work is a really good one um, in terms of a lot of organizations have this love your work kind of value. Um, so I, that would, and I was just say to him, so this is really cool. So I'm doing something here. I'm like, I don't like this. And I just put it aside and you go, why aren't you doing this? Cause I don't love that. Mm. And our values say to love my work and I don't love that. So I'm mm-hmm. not doing that. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I use I use values as a a bit of a, a morality thing as well. So, mm. like, if if for example something is to happen, like you know something like right now, chaotic. Yeah. Um, but any time in, in your life, you know, your wife could leave you or you could get sick yep. or anything like that. If you come back to your values and mm-hmm. come to back to who you are and who you've always been, mm-hmm. and am I acting in accordance with those values? Well, yes. Okay. Yep. Well, is it my fault that that's happened then? Well, mm-hmm. no. And it, can, it almost allows you to take that you know, a bit of blame off yourself or um, to go, okay, well, actually, I'm, I'm who I am. Yep. And if other if individuals don't like that and they're, they're walking out or they're, they're leaving me or they're leaving the business or walking out of the business, yep. then, then okay, I'll put my hands up. And um, yeah, so I always go back to those values in times of chaos. So I think that's a great place where people could actually even start right now. Oh. It's just going, okay, well, actually, are we living within our values right mm. now or do we even have any? Yeah, well, I would get them to question that 100%. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, the first thing I did is I look at my values, right? So simplicity is my number one core value. Um, not that there's any real ranking to them, but it's the one I always put to first, mm-hmm. which is why the book's called Simplified. Um, <laughs> but I said, okay, so have, have, you know, all this crap's going on. Oh my God, how am I going to deal with this? Okay, let's simplify it. What are just, let's get some simple action steps that I would need to take or thought processes in place. Um, evolution is, you know, I, I value evolution. It's one of my core values. And like, okay, you know, uh, you know, have I evolved? Is there an opportunity for me to evolve through this? Relevance is another one of my core values, um, and you know, working on things that matter most. I said, mm-hmm. so what matters most? How can I be relevant right now? You know, loyalty is one of my things. So I said, like you know, instead of trying to chase all this new business, I better focus, make sure I'm 100% focused on all my clients. Make sure they're okay. Um, you know, so I'm going through this whole process. Learning is one of my things. So how am I acquiring new knowledge? Yeah. What new knowledge do I need to acquire at this time? You know, make, writing all this stuff down because I'm trying to work out. You know, like my values are guiding me to okay, Dave. Well, you know. If you value simplicity, find a simple way through this. If you value evolution, find out how you can evolve through this. If you find relevant, how can you be relevant right now and how can you be relevant going forward? How can you, you know, what do you need to learn right now? And then how can you make sure that you're living loyalty in terms of, you know, your relationship with your clients and all this yeah. sort of stuff? Um, and so that was kind of my thought process because that's how I uniquely think about things in terms of solving the problem that I'm passionate about in the world. Yeah. Um, and so this is why it's so important to have those because those are your decision-making filters. Firstly, will it serve my purpose, yes or no? Then secondly, does it reject any of my values? Yeah. All right? And then basically your values also are, once again, sort of like how we think around here, which then how I think determines how I act. So what actions should you be taking? If I take those values and layer it over this scenario right now, what would it what would they suggest I should be doing? Yeah. Because um, once again, that's how I should think right now. It doesn't tell me yeah. what to think right now. It just says, here's how I should think right now. Yeah. And that's my unique thinking. Yeah. Um, and then once I have that clear, then I can create this vision of the world because, uh, and you know, some people's visions have been like, destroyed, destroyed, thrown yeah. out the window, kicked yeah. over. Yeah, yeah. Um, or realized they didn't have one. Yeah. Right? Or they didn't have a purpose or they didn't yeah. have value. So people all those to say, this is where a really cool test of leadership right now. Um, so when you create this vision and, you know, I look at what's going to look at things subtly different to some people. Um, vision to me is what's the world going to look like, mm. you know, 10, 20, you pick out how many years you want um, from, from now when you've been serving that purpose through the lens of your unique thoughts, your values. Yeah. And, you, you know, so that, and that vision needs to be a picture that's bigger, you know, bigger picture of the world than all of us combined. Yeah. So especially with you and your team and your organization, for example, you know, your vision and, you know, one of the things that people want is a leader that they can believe in, someone I can believe in. And that leader is the person I can believe in is someone who has a, can, and can hold 
a vision of the world that's far greater than all of us combined. Mm. And it's this inspiring picture that is the, and it's what I call the impact of the legacy of your purpose. So, uh, you know, this is why we do, and people are always going to want to buy that in terms of their, and this is why they buy from us. And this is the impact that that's going to have. So a team, like if you want to help, you know, create a world where this happens, the world looks like this, that's what your sense of vision is. Yeah. Um, but that's 10 or 20 years out and, you know, or even could be even longer, you know, like my, my vision for my organization is I see a world where every business is led on purpose first. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Can you imagine a world where every business starts from purpose first? Yeah. Everyone's you know? just driving. Everyone's just, everyone's yeah. just serving each other and just going. And, it, you know, purpose requires to be honest about what you do and why you do and how you do yeah. and who for and all that sort of stuff. So we have this much more honesty and stuff which would be natural. And then we have the unique way people are thinking about it. We're creating this world. We're building much more stronger relationships. And, uh, you know, so to me, that's when that purpose is being lived through those values. That's the world that I see. Mate, that might be 30 years. Hmm. You know, that's, sometimes it's not a matter of... Um, when I get there, it's the fact that that I get there. Yeah, you know, yeah. Or that I'm, everything I'm doing is driving that. So when I'm bringing people in, uh, you know, whether it's even people into my ecosystem, if you like, or people into my team, it's like if they're not interested in creating a world where every business is led on purpose first, then there's no point in joining my team. Yeah, and I think or it, being part of my ecosystem. I mean, it it has to be. Uh, big enough that it continues to inspire and keeps you going forward because uh, if you're going back to athletes for example they have this grand vision of winning the Olympics or becoming a world championship Mm. boxer and then as soon as they get there if they haven't got anything after that that's even bigger they just fall back down and just life becomes they go and slip into depression you see it all the time actors they they become a big star and it just disappears it's because because what's next so if you've got a vision that uh, is, is so grand that actually you're always kind of moving towards it yeah. and you're always kind of thinking okay well I can continue to move forward yeah and you know I've got a big hairy audacious goal that's off the back of that but to your point like a lot of people especially when you get to my age mid, mid 50s uh, are looking for significance mm. I don't have to look for significance. My significance is my ability to continue to drive and, and create that. And, and I'm not saying that, uh, you know, just for me, this is what I do. So, um, but, you know, you need to have that sense of significance because sometimes it's, you know, I've been working, bust my butt, build a business. Um, kids have moved out of home now. We're getting to that yeah. stage of life where you're male or female is irrelevant. And just wherever you are in your life and you're going, okay, what's next? Yeah. Yeah. And having that sense of vision um, if it's a very powerful and inspiring one that's big and it's, you know, it can be a bit scary. Yeah. Um, I think that's where you can find that sense of significance in that. Or if you haven't, then go and find that significance in it. But this is where, once again, especially in times like this, people, you know, some people are afraid of creating a big vision right now. And in times like this, in, in any time really, but in times like this, Martin, if you're afraid of creating a vision that's really big and scary at this time, then you're missing the point of a vision. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't understand what a vision's for. <laughs> Right, because now, if anything, is you should be creating a massive, kick-ass vision for your life or your business or whatever, or making sure that your vision that you have is is that big. Yeah. Uh, because this is what you need it for. And there's a great quote, um, and I think I think I've used it in the book for when I talk about vision, and a lot of other leaders and leadership people have used it as well. But it's just such a powerful and poignant one. And uh, it's Antoine Saint Dupuy. It's my best French Canadian. <laughs> uh, uh, and he said, if you want to build a boat, don't gather the men and women to garnish the material and stuff like that. Just give them a yearning for the vast and endless sea. And they'll do all the stuff they need to do to build the boat. Mm. And so that's what a vision is for, is to give them this yearning yeah. for that world or yeah. that vast and endless sea, whatever your vast and endless sea is, is to give them a yearning for that. 
because getting back to then the business and, and strategy is if that's my 20, say my 20 or 30 year vision for the world, um, then what's the boat that I need to build in the next three years to start sailing out onto that ocean? Yeah. Right? And that's where I think that's what mission is. And I think um, uh, in business, whether it's, uh, sometimes I say we've been doing it wrong. I just think we haven't been doing it right. Um, missions, because mission statements are those things that end up on the wall for 20 years. And our mission is this. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you look at, you know, the, the organization you're in or your own business um, or business that you know, if you look at, so how long have you you've been in the organization you're in now? I mean, uh, four and a half years now. Okay. So the, when you started, yeah. is the, that business four and a half years ago the same business that it is today? Uh, it's been some, you know, we rapidly change all right. the time. So I mean, you've evolved. It, yeah, evolved, but yeah. it's still serving the same yeah, yeah. Uh, individuals. And, and <clears> but it's not the doing things. the same thing the same way. No. No, no it's no. evolved, right? No. And do you think in the next four and a half years going forward that that business today will still be doing the same thing it's doing today in four and a half or five years. It shouldn't be. No, No, because business is a series of evolutions. Yeah. All right. And evolution should be the natural state of business. Um, And, you know, so for me, mission is just the next evolution of your business. So it, it should be the one moving part of your whole cultural and strategy framework. Yeah. So my purpose won't change. My values shouldn't shift much at all. My vision of the world shouldn't change too much, but my mission you know, it's just like in military terms, once we, the mission is to take that hill, then once you take that hill, then we need to take this yeah, thing, yeah, then we want to do that. Yeah. Or I said, like, it's the first into space, it's the first to the moon, it'll be the first to Mars. It's, there's always another mission. Yeah. So why in corporate world do we just throw a 20-year mission statement? And our mission is to do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and so I think there's a confusion between vision and mission and purpose and all these things. So your mission to me, the way I work with clients on it, is just the next evolution of your business. And I usually only work like three years out for most, because that's where most of the fog is, right? So that's the fog, um, is about three years out. So what is the next evolution? And that's the boat. Yeah. So what's the boat we need to build to start creating that world or to start sailing out to that world? It won't be the boat that actually makes that world, yeah. but what's the boat we need to get here? Because then as we sail out, then we go, okay, we now we need to build a bigger boat and we need a different boat and we need another different boat to charter through these waters to, and so on, because it, business is a series of evolutions. Mm-hmm. And this is where then, um, and this is why in organizations, um, you know, there's, I mean, we, this culture eats strategy for breakfast and da, 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 all these famous management gurus will tell you. Which is true, um, but imagine, imagine if we actually had our culture was, our strategy was born from culture, mm. and there weren't two separate things, and culture acted as a shield around our strategy, and we could create this total sense of alignment of culture and strategy, yeah. Yeah. right? So when you think, here's why my business exists, my purpose, I filter it through the lens of these values to create this world, and then I reverse engineer that going, well, what's the mission, what's our mission, and what is the organization we need to build in the next three years to start creating that world? Mm-hmm. That becomes our mission. Then all I have to do is, my strategy then should be, how do I build that organization? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All right? And yeah. this is where then all of a sudden, our culture has given birth to our mission, um, which then gives birth to the strategy of how we create that world. And because most organizations, what do most organizations do to create a strategy? What is the one common denominator that they start with to say, okay, let's build our strategy to achieve this? Um, uh, I guess it's it's, it's all focused around uh, the money or the focus around uh, what... what, what, Some financial financial metrics, whether it's profitability, revenue, you know, right? So, you know, that's how we've always built strategy. So when your strategy is about how do we make X amount of money, you'll do anything to make that X amount of money. Yeah. 
And then this is where a lot of organizations have grown, but they become irrelevant. Mm-hmm. Right? Because they've lost sight of why. And this is where a lot of these big businesses that, you know, we as small business go, oh, I don't have the resources, the capabilities, the technique, the strategy, the talent. The, that the, these All these big businesses have had all that and they still failed. Yeah. Why? Because they became irrelevant. Yeah, exactly. Right? Because they didn't have a mission that would help them create the world that they see and didn't constantly evolve. And they're, they're, they're th- driven by shareholder or whatever it was, is we need to get more, make more money. Yeah. And when we make more money, then we start doing a whole bunch of different things that take us away from why our business existed in the first place, possibly. Yeah. But, and that's not to say that businesses shouldn't make money, but if money's the, money shouldn't be the end game, it should be the input. You know, and I always said, like, you know, money to us is... Like uh, it's like oxygen to us as human beings, right? You needed to survive, but you weren't born just to breathe. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. So your yeah. business wasn't born just to make money. Money is a byproduct of you serving the crap out of your customers and driving so much value for them and stuff mm-hmm. like that that they they are willing to give you money for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. And then with that money, you can do even more good with that money and invest that back in your business and serve more people and yeah. Right, so it's about the, the amount of uh, people you can serve or the impact you can make that generates more money. So, so really, you know, your profitability and all that sort of stuff can become an input to the mission, not the end game. Yeah. So there's a couple of things I want to touch on there. I'm yep. getting um, from uh, what you're saying, what mm. I'm what I'm get gathering is, and I think you, you do touch this in the mm. books, you know, the, the nights at the round table, with all that yeah. sort of stuff is like it's have your team included in the yeah. in the formation of all the you know the, the, the structure because yeah. if they if they feel they're part of that mm. the, the culture, yeah. then obviously they feel a part of the strategy if they're involved in that. So and it goes back to the, the coaching rather mm. than, rather than um, rather than you know just dictating. Yeah, coaches want bo- people want coaches, not bosses. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and they want to, can you imagine if you feel like you're, a, if you had input into the, you know, maybe not the, you know, some people don't always get input into the why and everything like that, but how I'm going to do, mm. here's what needs to be accomplished. Because the other thing I challenge people from a strategy point of view is once we work, okay, here's the, the boat we need to build. Here's our mission. We've defined that in 10 words or less that who we need to become in the next three years. And then people go, okay, how are we going to do that? And I'm like, no, 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 stop. What needs to be accomplished first to show that we've become that? Yeah. Right? Because our mind wants to go, okay, how do we do that? Instantly, just got to find, solve the problem, solve the problem, solve the problem. No, no, no. First, let's get very clear on identifying. And that's why I say, like, in, what are the top six things that we must have accomplished to show that we've become this organization? We've evolved into this organization to start creating that world. And so in three years, we'd map out, okay, here's the top six things that we must have accomplished. And then how we might measure that. And then we go, okay, okay, then how do we do that? No, 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 no. <laughs> what do we need to do in the next 12 months then to achieve that in three years? What must be accomplished in the next three, you know, 12 months, sorry, to be on track for where we want to be in three years? And how might we measure that? Okay, okay how are we going to do that? No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> what do we need to do in the next 90 days then? Of all that stuff, how much, what matters most in the next 90 days? What are the top three things that we need to make sure we focus on in the next 90 days to be on track for 12, to be on track for three, to start creating the world that we see? Yeah. And then how are we going to do that? Yeah. Because to sit here and think about how we're going to do a three-year strategy when it, we're walking to the fog, you know, and what's the rate of change right now in the world, Martin? It's rapid. And I mean, what, it's, it's even accelerating. Is it going to slow down? No. no. Just, I mean, with the pandemic, it's, it's accelerating even oh, further, right? Yeah, like it's, it's kind of like tenfold. Like. I used to tell you, like, it's people, you know, Jack Welsh, rest in peace. 
Um, you know, his famous quote, I used it in all my keynotes and stuff, which is, you know, if the rate of change outside your organization exceeds the rate of change inside your organization, the end is near. Yeah. And we weren't even keeping up with it. Then all of a sudden, the pandemic's just gone, <laughs> yeah. shoved three years of potential evolution that we should be working towards and said, no, you need to do this now. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because this change has happened. Oh, well, it's I'm, not happening. It's happened. I'm certainly seeing that. I mean, it's like, uh, I think we've managed to get a business online in the space of like a week or two. It's like, this is, yeah. that was a plan to maybe do it in a year or two. Like, yeah. It's like, well, we have to do it now. Yeah. Well, that's right. We have no choice. We have to do it now. Yeah. You know, we do have a choice, but really, ultimately, if you want to survive, this is the best choice. And so let's do this now. And I've even had to look at my own business. My mission hasn't really changed, but how I'm going to achieve that yeah. has accelerated in many parts. Some parts were like, I wasn't going to do that to year two or three. That wasn't something I need to have done until then. Well, I'm going to have to find out how the heck I'm going to do that now. Yeah. And yeah. I guess in a, in a way, if you, know, if you want to really be high performance in business as well, yeah. so you've, you've got to be able to find those ways of, of creating that tension point of, yeah. of uh, you know, 90 days. Okay, we've got a 90 day target or, yeah. or goals we've got to meet. That comes back to the KPIs, right? Yeah. So the KPIs obviously the, um, keep you uh, on, in, yeah. on track and stuff. Um, but it's, it's making them that they're, they're tough enough to be driving you forward and evolving, yep. but not so easy that every time, you know, if you've got KP, a list of KPIs and they just go green, pass, 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 pass every single time, mm. then yep. you're probably not, you, you, yeah, you, no. you're probably not actually uh, pushing yourself a bit too much right no. now already. Yeah. You've set the bar fairly low for yourself. Yeah. And, but, but, but that's because maybe your desire to everything to have to be green. Yeah. Cause yeah. you're not okay with yellow or red. Yeah. 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 Yeah, you know, sure. um, but when there's, but you know, and this is what you talk about, the, um, like from attention point of view, for example. So one of the, you know, if you look at the mission, and this is where once again, if we're very clear on who we need to become in the next three years to start creating that world that we see, and I know we need to be through what it looks like in three, I know what it looks like in twelve, and now I'm working on the ninety days, and I know what that is, and now I'm working on how to do that. A couple of key things to, from a psychological point of view, firstly is, um, it's far easier to do more with less. Is right, the less you have to focus on, the more you can accomplish. Hmm. Right, so you get three key things that your organization is going to focus on in the next 90 days. It doesn't mean you won't do some of the other things, but these three things must be accomplished in the next 90 days. Don't set yourself up for failure and try to put all six things in and da, 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 and spread yourself in. Just pick the three things that matter most. Yeah. Because by default, you're going to either go to the ones that you love doing, which may not be the ones that matter most, um, and then the one, you know, and try to do a little bit of everything and not get anything done. So I always say, like, get those three things done. So to get your mind focused on those things. Uh, and remind me to about fast execution. Um, but the, the, the thing with the mission and building your strategy, um, and I liken it to an elastic band. Okay. okay. So elastic band, if I'm holding a rubber band in my hand, there's no energy in it, right? Yeah. But if I go, okay, here's where we are today, and I go, and I put my other finger in there, and I say, this is the mission where we need to be in three years. Yeah. All of a sudden, I've created energy. And potential. And potential, right? Yeah. And there's tension and energy and everything in yeah. the elastic band. Yeah. Now, from a psychological point of view, if I focus on current reality where we are and put all my attention there, I'm going to not pay attention to this finger, um, which may not, I don't know if the visual might be better. But, <laughs> the, but imagine if I'm looking at one finger and I've got to pay attention to that. Well, then the elastic band, the energy is going to go back Practice. that way. But if I, and this is where we talk about leaders holding the tension to the mission, we say, like, get everyone focused on this is who we're becoming guys this is you know gals this is why we exist here's how we need to think about it create this world this is the organization we need to build to make all that a reality mm. and keep holding to that yeah it's pulling you forward yeah and keep yeah. the energy in there and keep everyone the tension of that energy and hold that energy in space then people will come up with the creativity and we stay focused and we get all this energy that actually propels us past yeah. it's kind of like what i almost call like slingshot theory where you pull back and you create some tension and when you let it go and you go flying past where you were. Yeah. A lot of us are being pulled back right now 
um, and then decide how you, what you have to be very careful is where I'm going to point that and yeah. where I'm going to channel all that energy and when I let it go to move forward. Mm -hmm. But that's why having that leader's job right now is to hold that tension to the mission to create that energy um, mm -hmm. in the elastic band. Because if all the energy is focused on where we are, well, then we're not going to go anywhere. We're potentially going to go backwards yeah, yeah. Um, and hold that. So, you know, if you have that in place, very powerful. But yeah. that's your job as a leader, to hold the people to that to that evolution of the organization um, of where it needs to go and then breaking it down into digestible pieces so we can move forward smartly yeah. through our values, solving the problem that we're passionate about to create the world we see by chunking down, you know, how to eat an elephant spoonful at a time, a little bit of hot sauce usually helps too. Yeah. The, um, <laughs> but as you, you want to move forward, do that. Don't set your team up for failure. Set them up to succeed and keep the energy, you know, hold that tension. I can, I mean, as a person who's in you know, middle leadership or mm -hmm. middle management or whatever you mm -hmm. want to say, if you've, got, you've got some seniors above and you've got a team, mm -hmm. I can definitely feel feel that tension yep. and I think that's been a, a huge uh, learning lesson for me over the last year is actually being able to uh, to take that I mean mm. it, it, other people would call it you might call it stress if they want to put a negative thing on it it's, but stress uh, isn't necessarily bad or good yeah exactly mm. so if you it's the way it's the way you perceive it right that's right yeah and for me um, it just comes down to your mindset if you've yep. got a positive mindset and you're bought into the vision or you're yep. bought into what that next step is then it's just okay well we're doing this for a reason yeah. uh, you, know, if, you know if you're connected to your purpose well we're doing this for a purpose yep. um, and I can certainly uh, and I think that's why my creativity over the last year or two has been like it has. I never used to be. I never said I was a creative individual before, mm. but that was probably because there wasn't that, that enough tension point. I was always a smart guy in yep. school. I, I kind of breezed through university rather easy. Mm. Then fell into some very you know, good training, but then I started to. I think I want to hit twenty five or something. I was like, okay. Well, actually, you're an adult now. Mm. You grow up. You have to actually evolve more if you're going to want to continue to grow. It's not always going to be easy moving across the other side of the world on your own all of a sudden tension mm. it was stress at one point it was pulling me one way but now it's pulling me the other way and I think yeah. that comes back to just being connected to my own vision and my purpose yeah because that stress has a sense of purpose to it yeah um, and, and it's funny because if you, un you know, understand basic fundamentals of how your brain works so there's your conscious mind your subconscious mind and what I've been trained to learn as your creative subconscious mind and your mind's function is to keep you sane yeah right so it always wants to move you to the dominant picture you have in your head the question is, is current reality the dominant picture or is your mission going to be the dominant picture? Because your mind does not know the difference between what's real or perceived. Mm -hmm. You know, because we all dream and we sit there and wake up and like from this dream and like, holy crap, like you just felt like it was so real, right? Because yeah. your mind doesn't know the difference. So we can train our brains that the mission is the real thing. And then our mind's function is, it's a goal-seeking, problem-solving device, but we use it for storage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we put all the stuff in there and just store in there, and it's like, well, hang on, it's a, it's a goal-seeking, problem-solving thing. So if I have that there, then my creative subconscious kicks in and helps me to find creative ways and see things in all these scotomas or blind spots I would have had to, you know, that's why I talk about, you know, those personal professional biases, the blinkers I've had on, mm -hmm. they've all come off now, and I'm starting to see things that were already there. Yeah. Like, it's not that this is, I'm seeing things that didn't exist, I'm just seeing stuff that I just didn't see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, so, but because I'm holding to that yeah. and it's forcing me to be more creative because my creative subconscious part of my brain's kicking in and it's trying to solve the problem. Um, but I'm not yeah, yeah, yeah. letting yeah. go. Yeah. So all that creativity keeps, so then once we're getting closer to that, well then guess what? I need to stretch the elastic yeah. band some more, which is the next evolution of my business and stretch it some more yeah. and so on. And, and so if we understand that that's how the human mind works and we hold to that, 
Um, we kick in all this creativity that exists. And if you're, as a leader, allow that creativity to flourish in your organization, um, and for creativity to flourish in your organization, which creativity is the key to innovation, is your people need to be free to think. Yeah. So yeah. freedom of thought is what allows creativity. So, you know, as you've become more creative, all you've done is had greater increase in your freedom to think. Oh, 100%. Definitely. It, you've always been creative. Yeah. Every single human being is, is, is brains. Yeah. Is, right? So you always had the creativity. What it is now is you have more freedom to think. You've mm. allowed yourself that permission to have freedom to think, which has allowed you to be more creative, allowed you to be more innovative and think about ways to do things. So as imagine as a leader, if you allowed all, if you could find a way to create all this freedom of thought in your organization... Um, but that sounds like like running amok. But then, once again, for the the price for freedom to think is responsibility. Mm. So we need to have a, our people be able to be responsible and take ownership. Yeah, yeah. Which gets back to what we were talking about. If you give them a sense of ownership of the strategy and the building of the how to, not the what to, but the how to. Yeah. They have that sense of responsibility. And then, well, how do we trust them? Because once they know they're working from home, well, trust comes from having a system of shared values. Yeah. So you see how it all just pulls back in yeah, together. So your strategy and all that then comes back to your values. If we're leading, living, and loving our values, and we're allowing people to participate, we can unleash all this creativity and innovation in our organization. Like, imagine right now how valuable that might be to an organization, the ability to unleash innovation from within. Mm. It's, mass it's massively valuable. Yeah. And I don't think it's, uh, I've touched on this before with mm. you, I don't think it's valuable just for businesses. It's a value for an individual oh, as well. Yeah, like, like, mate, any of this is just human being just, stuff, right? It's just, it's good. Like, yeah. for me, definitely, it's like, uh, just reading simplified, honestly, yeah. uh, and it's all in there. And there's one thing I do want to touch on before we go into yeah. some other stuff in the book, but... Yeah. Uh, anyone out there who 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 is is struggling with uh, not just business but even just looking at their life in general mm. how how to structure life how to stick mm. a strategy in your life how to set a vision in your life I connected with that on a personal level and that all that allowed me to do is actually just find and discover who I was to then generate the business idea yeah and that's that's where it's come from yeah well if you get back to what we were talking about earlier about the fact that what you know people are going to start a business right now mm. well getting clear sense of your purpose like you know because once again if you don't have a personal connection to your business's public sense of purpose yeah. which you have for yours yeah. then you're not going to succeed anyway so yeah. you need to have a personal connection to that public sense of purpose for your organization um, as an individual and you need to have what your own values are to make sure the business you're building isn't going to go against your values yeah. and you know the, yeah, and, and and thank you for, for picking up on that like it is it's a book for life yeah um, because once again, leadership is just about helping other people. Well, that's organization. It could be helping yourself to start with. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you yeah. Know? So, so the um, um, the next thing that I wanted to touch on, um, and I know that you said you know you're not best salesman in the world, but I know that you've got a very good sales history, and you hmm. have a uh, it's a relaxed uh, relaxed selling. Yeah. selling. Yeah. Do you mind just quickly just going through some of that? Uh, sure. Because I think we had. It was over a year ago, and, yeah. I, and you were just trying to go through it with me at the breakfast club, and yeah. people were talking. I couldn't really yeah, yeah. take it in, but I'd love to. Uh, to, to yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, just very quick backstory um, on it, so it'll help you to understand the context of the. Um, when I started out in sales, um, you know, like anybody, I was you know nervous, self you know self doubt, all this sort of stuff that mm. would creep in, and everything like that. And uh, I was going through some very hard times financially because I wasn't making any sales, all this sort of stuff. And I've done some a lot of content around this lately. But that was October 1999 when I actually developed Relaxed. Uh, it actually was Relaxed at first, and then it became Relaxed. Okay. Um, but I went uh, and I realized that I was uh, nobody buys from a hungry person. Yeah, no. And it's what I call going from starving to serving. This is when I learned from about why to be of service to other people. And because I was under stress, I was under pressure, I needed to make my rent, I needed, it was needed to make my, 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 pay for my, 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 cover my, my, my. 
And um, so I was trying to sell you to feed me. Right? Yeah, okay, yeah. Right, yeah, that's yeah, yeah. just yeah. like... Yeah, yeah. And like then was, people see for it. Yeah, 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 oh, yeah. With the, with the, yeah. And I always said, whatever's going on inside, you will find a way to manifest itself on the outside. And sometimes, like, and now people like, to, and, and when I've done sales calls to people, like, why don't you ever get asked about prices? Because price isn't an issue for me when I'm talking to somebody. The value, the value is so I'm high. I'm all about value. Yeah, and, yeah. and I'll get to price eventually. And But like, as they always get asked, you know, like I always get asked price really early by the client. Well, what's the price? Well, that's because they're sensing something you do that you don't believe in what you're selling. Yeah. Or you don't believe in the value of what you're offering. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so I went through all that. It was not like I'm, you know, this is just stuff that I learned from going out and doing that. Um, but anyway, so it's good. Yeah. Yeah. And so I went and saw my um, my mentor at the time, and she said, Dave, you just need to relax. Like, you're yeah. too tense. You're too, you know, um, you're stressed out. And you just need to relax. Just go and ask a bunch of questions and learn about somebody else. Mm-hmm. Stop worrying about yourself. Just go learn about them. So I came home that day, wrote relax down on a piece of paper and said, okay, I just, from my mind, I... You know, I'm the most disorganized, spontaneous person you'll ever meet. And people go, well, you're the most organized. I said, I'm only organized and structured because I'm the most dis- <laughs> you know, totally uh, spontaneous person and uh, disorganized person you'll ever meet. So I thrive on having structure. Yeah. Which is why everything I do now, building forward, has a structure or a process or something to it. So anyway, so I wrote relax down. And I said, okay, I just need to have something that's just going to, I can work my way through. Because I was having a lot of great conversations with people, but it was like, I'm getting there, okay, but I hadn't closed the deal and I'm like, okay, so let's, can we get back together? And like, what for? Yeah. yeah you know, I had no, yeah, yeah. what was the next steps kind yeah, of stuff yeah, as well. Yeah, hooking points. Yeah. yeah. So, so I wrote Relax Down and I thought, you know, this is more than just rapport because to me rapport, I was, I was being trained in a world that was typical insurance salesman. This is like early 2000s. It was all the insurance salespeople, you know, develop rapport and talk yeah. about the weather and what's nice. And, you know. yeah. and, and I thought, well, I want to work with people that I relate to. Um, and I want to build a relationship with people. So for me, the first step is find ways to relate to the person I'm about to meet with or the people that I'm going to choose to go meet with. How do I relate to them? Mm-hmm. And so that was our became relate. Um, and then E was what I was for me. It was like I wasn't when I went to see for the like I knew why I was there, but wanted to make sure they knew. So I said I had to set expectations. Yeah. You know. Hey, Martin, we agreed to meet about this at this time for this length of time, and we're here to discuss this and that I'm going to do this and you're going to do that. And do we agree? Yeah, yeah. great. Get some on a journey. Yeah. yeah. And so we've all agreed to why we're here together. Because sometimes it wasn't, it was just, hey, let's catch up for have a coffee and have a chat. And then all of a sudden I'm trying to sell them something. So they're going, well, hang on, I didn't agree for you to come here and try and sell yeah, them something, yeah, right? Yeah. So there was no clear expectations. Yeah. So relate expectations. And then the next part was where really was a big turning point was then was about learn. Just go and learn. Mm. But I still knew that the person wanted to know a little bit about me. So my thing was learn about you, learn about them. So L was for learn, which is then learn a little bit about you to get yourself out of the way quickly enough so they can say, here's enough to understand who I am, what I am, what I do, what I do, and stuff like that. And But my purpose here is to learn more about you because I can't be of service to you unless I'm willing to learn about you. So then I need to write down learn. Um, and then to make sure I'm learning about them and I had this, what I call above the line and below the line questioning. So, cause sometimes like, okay, what I want to learn is I want to learn how much you're making, where it's at and da, 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 things that you may not share with me yeah, yet. Yeah, yeah, course, um, yeah. so I needed to learn about you and, and also confirm the stuff I knew about you and your organization and stuff like that. And then get you talking about it because the one thing everyone loves to talk about is themselves and their business. Of course. So once I could get that going, then I could go below the surface 
you know, d- d- below the obvious part of the iceberg, I can get yeah, underneath yeah, the surface yeah. and start to learn what was really, what really mattered most to that yeah. leader in the organization. What really truly tr- yeah. drives them. Yeah. So then, so relate expectations, learn. And then with that learning, what I could do then is if I could do a little bit of an analysis, like a deep dive and find out what the things, get down to those core things that mattered most to that Mm. CEO, business owner, whatever it was that I was uh, having a conversation with. So A was for analysis. Okay, now I need to do an analysis of, okay, out of all the stuff I've learned, what are the three things? Which one of those is most important? Right? And then most people then would go, okay, now I know what's most important. Now I'm going to show them how my product or service solves that problem for you. And that's where I, I decided, well, no, that's not what I want to do. What I want to understand is X, which is X marks the spot. Is So I understand why that's important for the business, but why is that important for you? Yeah. Yeah. And I want to understand you as a human being and say, like, what's this going to do for you? If we, you know, this not only for the business, but for you, talk to me about you. Like, what are your goals? What's your legacy? What's your mm-hmm. significance? What's your, and very few back in those days, people would even bother asking those questions. And I even think today, some, some people are so worried about business to business, business to consumer. It's all human to human people. Like, let's, yeah, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. and you want to understand the heart and soul of that individual as to, you know, talk to me about why this is important to you. What's this going to do for you in your life? Mm-hmm. In your career, like, okay, yeah, but I'm going to get a promotion. Okay, why? What's that important to you? And like, well, no one's ever asked me that. I said, well, have you ever thought about it? Because, well, it's just what I'm supposed to do. But why is that so important? So X marks the spot. Um, and then what you, you know, because that brought not only, you know, we, we know that people buy on emotion, right? So yeah, yeah. I've, I've helped them get to the state where they're totally emotional about, because it now has significance to me, not just to my role in the business, but to yeah, me yeah. as a human being. Yeah. So E was... Um, about emotional rationalization because the danger once you get someone to that emotional state is they go yes let's buy it I'm going to do it then they go back and tell the team hey guess what we're going to do this yeah. and they're all looking at you like you're an idiot or you go back to your wife and said I just bought a new set of golf clubs and she's going <laughs> you dickhead why did you do that right so I took responsibility so relax was up to there but the, when I added the E and the D on the end that was to emotionally rationalize it to help them go back and give them the tools to go back and say here's what I've discussed what we're going to be doing and why we're going to do it and how it's mm. going to impact you and how the benefits and da, 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 to give them the tools to go back to feel confident about the decision that they've made so there was no buyer's remorse Yeah, and, and then the D at the very end is then is decision making and it's the fact that you know, I saw my relaxed sales process, if you like, is facilitating someone to make a smart buying decision. I wasn't there to sell you anything. Yeah. You know, the people are like, what are you selling? I'm saying, I don't know, what are you buying? That uh, <laughs> <laughs> used to be my response, right? Um, and then a little bit of a laugh about it, but is my job is to facilitate you to make a smart buying decision. And if that's not me, that's okay. I can point you in the right direction where it might be because I don't want to serve somebody who doesn't fit with my values or exactly. rejects my values. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so, but my job was to lead them to make the smartest decision for themselves. Yeah. And, you know, once again, like, you know, here's the, and I always started with the best decision and then second best. And then how can we at least get them moving? Yeah. 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 No, I love that. Yeah. So that's relaxed. Yeah. That's great. And then I started going out and doing that. Um, with that structure and I just made sure like I had it on a piece of paper just relaxed and yeah. I had a couple of questions and points yeah. and I developed a little form for it and then I'm just as my having my conversation with people I just start making my notes yeah. so that I could go back and say okay and if I only got to say the analysis part I was able to then say great you know here's what we've done we've learned this this and this and here's what we've discovered so far and what we're on what I'd like to do now is set up a second meeting for come back because I want to talk to you about this this and this yeah yeah you've got all the information that you need there to then go okay well, what's the next step and so I you can, can tell actually... you what's next so yeah. you knew that I knew what I doing, that I had a yeah. system that I had a process yeah 
um, and that you knew that I knew what I was doing and I was taking you on a journey somewhere and most times or not people were book yeah. a second meeting to finalize because they wanted to know where the story ends. And you've just managed to lower so much resistance yeah. in there from all that whole process. Like you've got the you know, the resistance is down, yep. uh, you know, you've got the people, the expectation of what next. Now you've, you've probably already, uh, towards the end, you've agreed the price of what it is anyway. Well, yeah, but time there we do, because uh, let's say when it comes to price, well, I never got asked because I didn't know what the problem was. Yet. Yeah, yeah, and exactly. Then, then I would already worked out the problem is, yeah. and if it's like this $100,000 problem for an organization and I'm saying well the investment in the in the solution could be eight grand and it's going to put a hundred grand on your bottom line yeah yeah and even with you know the EU the expectations that yeah. could even be in now of, no okay we're going to talk for this process well, no I love that I yeah love that yeah so that was relaxed and then that year I went on to be um, sales of the year which was okay but the most exciting part for me is that like in the organization I was a licensee of um, every year they would have like a Canadian client of the year and then those clients of the year then would go into the, out of the 60 countries that this organization was in would go into the, and then out of all those 60 countries, one of those clients would then go on and become world client of the year. So after that, and there, that year, my client became world client, Canadian client of the year, then mm. became world client of the year. And oh, then wow. the very next year, my one of my clients was Canadian Client of the Year and World Client of the Year. First licensee to ever have back-to-back World Clients of the Year. And then the third year, my cl- was Canadian Client of the Year, but it didn't become World, but that's okay. Yeah, you know, I'm going to do my last dance video like Jordan about my, my back-to-back World, <laughs> world Clients of the Year. But, you know, it, it was what was more rewarding for me is seeing the success that the clients were having. Um, because I was helping them make, make smart buying decisions. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, you know, with my level of care and compassion I have for human beings and people and seeing them succeed in everything yeah. in their lives, to see them win that accolade and they got, you know, flown to the conference and yeah. got to go on stage and do the speech and it was just really, just really awesome. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was, that was the more exciting part for me was the fact that it actually, the impact that that had on the clients and I wouldn't have been able to serve those people yeah. if I hadn't gone nice. through that nice um so you know, we've talked a lot about business mm. we've talked about you know a little bit about sellers there yeah. thank you i'm gonna actually gonna, gonna listen back to that and use it yeah. and learn it um i want to just talk about uh, you know, you've just gone through a transition in terms of your health and stuff yep. like that with, oh, yeah. with, with dale now uh, yep. dale nelson yep. um your own health coach and obviously performance through health mm. what impact has that had on your on your on your performance and, and how you've managed to live and you know, what's the journey you've been through there yeah well uh, I would tell anybody listening to this right now, whether it's Dale or it's you or somebody, get the right health coach in your life. Mm. You know, we, we always say, you know, health's the first wealth and all this sort of stuff, but it's easy to say, but not, you know, I wonder how many people right now are concerned about their own health and their own well-being and their exactly. family members and stuff. Like, it's taking something like this to remind people. Or it takes something like a, you know, severe health situation to cause people to do something about their health. I was fortunate enough to be sitting there at the table that one morning. Um, like I, I was in the worst. Like I, I've, I've had you know bad health before, mm. but like that is the worst I'd ever been in terms of my weight, my energy, everything like that. And that's when Dale just pulled me aside and he said, "Dave, can I train you?" And I'm like, "Dude, I, I was in even a place I could afford to pay for it." And I'm like, "No, man, I can't." And he goes, "No, no, I just want to train you." Like he could just see yeah. the deterioration of me over that 12 months yeah. and where I was at. And if he hadn't reached out to me, I guarantee you I would have been ended up in a hospital bit. Yeah. And I've told him that and he just doesn't, you know, to Dale, his humble, yeah, yeah, humble yeah, yeah. self. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, you have no idea. Like I was probably a month away from 
being in a hospital bed. Like I already have a heart condition and stuff mm-hmm. like that, which is, you know, once again, I don't, um, but that when my poor health, you know, I was like over a hundred kilos, which for me, the first time I'd ever been over a hundred kilos in my whole life. Um, but you know, with, with the right guidance from someone like yourself and or Dale or whatever, um, that got into a routine, got stuff. Cause I wouldn't have done it if I didn't have somebody who was going to hold me to account. Mm. It's just like anything. I'm a human being. Like I I'm not immune from all the stuff I do because I'm, I do it for a living. It's, you know, so this is why from accountability point of view in organization, who holds your account? But then I didn't have anyone holding me to account in my health, which, you know, other than myself, yeah. um, you know, I had reasons and motivations, but I like, oh no, my pride, my ego, I can just push through. Uh, I'll take care of that later. And I need to get the business in. Um, but the business results were reflective of my health results. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and this is why, you know, I love your thing, you know, performance through health, because as my health improved, my business performance improved. Mm-hmm. Like that year, uh, after working with Dale for a year, um, I'd had the best year I'd ever had in business. Mm-hmm. Like I doubled my results, tripled my results, um, and didn't end up in hospital, which was yeah, great. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, um, I'm the fittest, strongest I've ever been. I'm 54 years old. Um, I got more stamina than most younger guys, 20, 30 years younger than me. Um, yeah, I still maybe ache a little bit more the next morning. <laughs> um, and I've always never been shy on energy in terms of always had a lot of energy, but, but yeah, the, the, the impact to my, uh, myself. And once again, when you talk about being the best you can be for the people that you need to be the best for, so they can be their best and stuff like that, my clients deserve me at my best. They mm. weren't getting me at my best. Mm. And, and I reckon uh, that's why my business wasn't performing where it was. Yeah. But when my clients could start to see, or potential new clients, or people I've had as prospective clients that I've been talking to could see the shift in my performance and my health, my well-being, all of a sudden I'm getting all these opportunities. Yeah. Coincidence, maybe, maybe not. Um, but I would encourage any, you know, I'll just talk to business people at the moment, but anyone in business, if your health isn't one of the first things that you think about, um, like now I have a, you know, even uh, like going to see Dale, I'm really missing going to the gym because like, I don't have heavy enough weights at home. So I've been doing light weights and yeah. stuff and now I've been doing more cardio work yeah. now actually, which is really cool because I never used to do cardio. Um, but like, uh, Dale, what's the first thing you want to do when you're out? I said, I want to go to the gym. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so do I. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, um, you know, so I've certainly kept up, you know, fitness and strength and stuff like that. But yeah, but my, my energy levels through the mm. roof, say just, um, you know, and I, I credit having a health coach, in this case, Dale, um, for saving my life. Yeah, good. No, I mean, it's amazing. Yeah, yeah it's absolutely. Um, because we're so focused on business and all this sort of stuff, the headspace. And mm-hmm. um, like, yeah, but if I'm spending half an hour doing that, I'm not doing this. Yeah, yeah. Well, well I saw it. Like but those it, little half an hours add up and all of a sudden cause me not to be doing that at all. Exactly. I, I, I see it all the time. Obviously, I work in, in, in sleep medicine mm-hmm. and... Um, the amount of people that I see who are tired, fatigued, overweight, yeah. and they're still trying to go as hard as they can in business. And mm. I'm looking at you and thinking, you know what, if you just spent a bit of time on your nutrition, your sleep, and some, and got moving a bit more, number one, your mindset's going to improve, you're mm. going to be, be more confident, you're going to be more energetic, you're yeah. going to be able to then deliver more, you're going to be, like you used to say, yeah. you're, you're going to give the better version of yourself. Yep. And people radiate with that, and then they connect better, so you can form better network, better relationships, and then you can become a leader of that, and then you can create your own vision. So yeah. my whole framework is off, off that, off that yeah um, but like concept. I said if, if I want to call myself a leader um, how you do one thing is how you do everything mm. 
But if I'm not leading myself in terms of my own health and well-being and take care of this organization first, yes, my physical organization, yeah. um, you know, because the organization is just an organism, yeah, right? It's an organized, and we're just all a bunch of cells made up, no different to how I work with organizations in terms of the cells and, and ecosystems. We're just an ecosystem. But if I don't take care of this ecosystem, my other ecosystem is not going to be at the level it can be at. Yeah. Therefore, then I can't help the people and so on and so on. Therefore, my clients aren't going to get... Exactly. And they deserve the best. Exactly. And my family deserves my best. My kids deserve my best. My wife deserves me at my Everyone. best. Everyone. I deserve me at my yeah. best. Yeah, exactly. Um, so health, the focus on health was the biggest transformation for me in the last two years. Okay. So two questions that I ask everyone on, yep. this, on this podcast, um, being a performance through health podcast, mm-hmm. a bit of a reflective one to begin yep. with. What do you need to be doing to take your levels of performance to the next level? What do I need to be doing? Yeah. Um, it's funny, I've actually just taken through myself through this exercise of reflection and is um, I need to be more, um, and that's a broad statement. So I've written a, a post out of um, my new level of conviction and my new level of commitment. So I need to know, like, what's the next transcendence of me in terms of how am I going to transcend in serving humanity at a higher level? And then my commitment is how I'm going to do that. And so I've written out, a, like, probably about 15 convictions and commitments okay yeah 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 that you know and, and uh, one of the things i've i've always said to other people and i challenge myself on it like i've always been pretty good on self-reflection and certain things especially in the last year or two but um the really cool thing about this pandemic is that it's given and i'm going to say it's given me the time and space and permission to it which i've always had mm. it's made <laughs> you aware of it yeah well it's just it's actually um it's moved it to a different place and space for me to be able to focus on it now mm. um, you know because I as a person who helps people evolve their businesses and to stay relevant in the hearts and minds of people they choose to serve I'm always challenging myself in terms of my evolution but what I realized is I wasn't challenging myself enough yeah okay. and I needed to get really clear and be public about that um, conviction and commitment that I have to who I'm going to become yeah. um, or I'm continuing to become because most people are resolving to do something different right now instead of evolving to be something different and uh, one of my little clarisms and I see that and it slapped me in the face one day I just reading and I'm like who are you evolving to be mm-hmm. and you know and, and I looked at this everyone's going to go hashtag we're all in this together and I'm like well, that means we're all going through it at the same time or are we actually all in this together mm-hmm. and I said well if I'm all in what would I be doing? And what I did is I, I wrote this, um, these convictions, commitments out. And then what I did is I went back three years and said of all the people I've, the keynote speaking, presentations, networking, you name it, all the different places where I've met these leaders, amazing leaders around Australia over the last three years. If I was that person then, what would I have done differently in that space? Because if I become that person, then I said, okay, then that's why I made all these, the, the list of those convictions and commitments. Well, I would have been more, con- you know, I would have had conviction around here. I would have been more committed at this. I would have, and I wrote yeah. all, that's where I wrote yeah. all those things from. Yeah, okay. And then I've, so I've got that list of those things that I'm now working through and evolving. Yeah. So I'm now acting as if I am that person because I've actually known what the behavioral change, how, what the thinking would need to be and what the behaviors change will be. Yeah. And that's all because of that deep reflection I've had to make to challenge myself to be, but you know what, if I went back a year and a half to two years ago when I started working with Dale, I couldn't have done that. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it would yeah. have killed me. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's but, given you choice. Like, like yeah. all those convictions, it sounds like to me, it's like now you're making choices to be 
yeah. the person you want to be or need to be to become the best version yeah. of yourself. Well, the person I want yeah. to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And I'm starting to act as if that now, like, as I work on this, like, I yeah. hate fake it till you make it. Like, if someone tells you to fake it till you make it, Martin, run far away from yeah, that person. Yeah, yeah. I think once you're very clear on who it is you want or need to be to achieve the things you want to do and do the things you want to do in life, yeah. instead of going out to that, bring that into reality by, and this is why I've gone back three years and said, okay, these are the things, and I just start doing those things now. Yeah. Because I'm acting as if I'm already that person now. Yeah. And that's how I'm moving forward. Yeah. Um, and you know, you'll see new content coming out for me that is speaking at a much different level than what I used to speak mm -hmm. at. Um, and you know, from a different perspective that I used to speak at and, uh, everything that I'm producing is, is in that sense because this is who I am now. Yeah. Awesome. Cause I'm acting as if I'm already that person. Cause the fastest way to bring that into reality to become that person is to start acting as if I am already. Yeah. Because I've already know how I'm supposed to think and which tells me how I should act. All I can go is okay. I did this. Hang on. If I thought like that, I should have done this. So how do I get back to that? Yeah. What's the what's the what's the I call it integrity gap? Yeah. So like, yeah. yeah. And so once again, so that's that is one of the things in terms of my next evolution. Awesome. I've already, um, yeah, I started that four weeks ago. So brilliant. Yeah, which brilliant. was actually just at my birthday. I wrote down this whole thing at my. I was reflecting. Actually, it was actually the week after my birthday. It was my daughter's twenty first. Yeah. And we couldn't go and see her. And just, I was really emotional that weekend because, you know, my daughter's 21st. Yeah. Um, couldn't give her a hug, couldn't do anything. Um, yeah, of course. You know, it may, makes you realize the value of a hug, by the way. Yeah, certainly. Uh, you know? I think there's been quite a few people I've uh, spoke to. And I'm, mm. I'm a hugger as well. And mm. I'm like, uh, when people come in, like, yeah, let's share and share yeah. that hug. It's like it's an instant yeah. like, connection straight away, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, anyway, so, so to me, it was very emotional. But that's... And I started right on that. I just had my birthday, my daughter's birthday, 10 days after mine. And then I just started writing this stuff out. Mm -hmm. And then I've, ever since then, I've got that all listed out. And I'm like, okay, hang on. So I've got my, it's not yeah. like a checklist for saying I'm not that technical about it. But I've got to, hang on. No, no, no. You said this is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so start doing that. So yeah. that's my reflection piece. Awesome. Thank you. So next question. Yep. Final question before we wrap mm -hmm. up. Um, on the health side of things, yep. if you were to. Obviously, there's obesity, there's chronic disease, yep. there's everything going on in the world right now. If you were to do anything to try and, or if you had, you could do anything yep. in terms of changing health in the on a global scale. What would you, what would you do, or what would, what area would you focus on? Wow. Or what would you say? That's a great question. Um, I have so many friends like you who are in, you know, this this world, and um, that. The one thing that I've learned is that, um, you know, that most people take action, like uh, once they've have a health problem, mm. um, and it's not to say even if you're preventative and proactive, you won't have a health problem. But most people wait till the loss is imminent before they start taking action. Um, it's almost like a, a, I wish. And it may sound a negative way to think about it, but that everyone could have a health issue really early, mm. so they realize the significance mm. of their health. Because we think we're in, invincible when we're young, mm. and you know, um, and if we could understand the importance of health and well-being to our lives, and not, not saying deadly per se, but enough to wake people up, yeah, to do that. Like uh, you know, once again, blessed with great parenting, but my mom and dad, um, they, they weren't trained on health and well-being. My dad nah. wasn't. You know, he used to play a bit of soccer when he was a young lad, but we didn't get into sports. We didn't. Yeah. Like, I didn't stay, start playing hockey till I was 33. Really? As a Canadian. Yeah, you know, like, wow. you know, so, yeah. you know, um, and I wish I'd started earlier because I was really good at it. The, yeah. uh, but my window of opportunity. Um, but yeah, so just to learn something earlier. Yeah. So I mentioned education. Yeah. Like education, stuff like that. Yeah. Just really um, the importance of, 
you know, that health and, and well-being at an early age, um, because then it would just be part of who I am. Yeah. You know, like, you know, if, if our most impressionable years are between two and five and stuff like that or whatever in terms of our conditioning and yeah. influence and all that, how much are we teaching kids at that age yeah. about fitness and health and, yeah. you know, we don't because, you know, they're playing so we don't need to... Because yeah. we think their play is them getting exercise, yeah, yeah, yeah. but they're not connecting the two. Well, that, the, the play now is video games and stuff like that. Yeah. It's not well, yeah. Really, look at today's it's, world. It's like you know, not outdoors, is it? They it's, got these really strong thumbs, yeah, yeah. but they're yeah, 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 yeah. definitely. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, for me, I, I can only reflect on what for myself. Like, what if I could change one thing would be me? Is if I'd um, learned the importance of physical mm. exercise, education, something like that, or health and well-being at a much younger age. Yeah. Um, if I because I imagine if I worked out the way that I'm working at now when I was five, ten, fifteen, yeah, yeah, what would I be now? Yeah, 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 exactly. I'd probably look like you. <laughs> <laughs> look, and I think that runs with uh, everything that we've talked about in this mm. conversation. Is that if you, uh, you know if you had, you had the education first mm. and you'd be able to do it your first, and you know, it, mm. it expands to the whole world. And yeah. um, as a as a as a parent yourself, mm. like that, I think that's a good a message to other parents or. Mm. or you know, pet parents who are going to become pet, people who are going to become yep. parents is that you know teach teach health and and and, and yeah. exercise and, and fitness from for children from a young age. Don't forget about it because I see it's a loss. It's 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 being lost in the in the technology technological age. So. Yeah, absolutely. Like I look at my uh, my kids, uh, Dylan in Canada. He's like six foot one bodybuilder, so he yeah. he, he understands that. Yeah. Um, but he's in that ego phase of life too. So he you know likes to party and all that, which is yeah, fine. Yeah. Um, he's in the mid to late twenties. Yeah, Mitchell who. Um, you know he's got it into fitness and health. He put on a little bit of weight when he was a bit younger, but he but now he's he works out. You know at a reasonable routine, eats a reasonably good diet and stuff like that because he can see dad. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, you know, and he's a smart kid. He does it on his own. It's not because of me, but he can see that I'm making that effort. And you know, because I always ask him, "Hey, buddy, did you work out this week? How'd it go? What's going on?" Da da da. And my daughter Jordan, she's blessed with genetics through her biologically through her mother. Um, yeah. And like she's. Their their whole family is like, like lean muscle mass, um, um, you know. So yeah, so she's genetically blessed, but still does still has to work at yeah, it. Yeah, of course. Yeah, uh, but she would go to the gym and do stuff like that. Yeah, you know, take even if you take the dog for a walk every day, whatever. But so to see them doing some stuff at their you know twenty one, twenty three, and twenty nine years of age, it's yeah. it's a lot more than what I was doing at that age. Yeah, exactly. And but they can see me, and they could see obviously the transformation in me in the last two years. Yeah, which what's going to help as a role model. If nothing else, they see that you know, the importance of it because I want one day when there's grandkids to be able to not roll up in my wheelchair mm. and hey, come jump up in granddad's lap is you know let's go for a run down yeah, the park yeah um, at a 1.5 meter distance. <laughs> okay, uh, Dave, so, um, thanks for coming on the show. I really enjoyed. Oh, mate, this conversation. thank you. Um, I've been yeah, I've been looking forward to the opportunity to be on the. I mean, I, you're doing phenomenal with this podcast, mate. Kudos to you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Where, where can people uh, follow your content, find you, contact yep. you if they want to get, in, get the, involved? The easiest place is just to go to my website, which is daveclare.com, D-A-V-E-C-L-A-R-E.com. Um, and you can find a link to the book there. Um, or you can just, for, if you want to get a look at um, Simplified, uh, the website for Simplified is just leadershipissimple.com. And then there's a whole bunch of information about all the chapters in the book, and you can order it via Amazon on Kindle or uh, subject to how fast we can get stuff delivered and around the world today, you can get a hard copy. Yeah. And what about your social media? Uh, yeah, well, that's all on my uh, thing. Uh, but Dave, if you just Facebook, um, LinkedIn is usually the best place yeah. or, or Facebook. But if it's, it's if you go, um, my tag is just profit for purpose, like P-R-O-P-H-E-T 
for FOR purpose, um, which is really built on the, the fact that I think if you become the profit of your purpose, you will profit from your purpose in terms of dollars or in, in, in everything in life. And the profit being the inspired teacher leader of a cause or calling. And I challenge every one of you out there to become the inspired teacher of your leader or leader of your cause or calling, um, which will attract the right people, which will serve the right people, and you'll make money anyway. So don't worry about that stuff. And we'll see a world that might be actually led on business, I'm sorry, on purpose first, right? Exactly. Wouldn't that be awesome? Exactly. Thank mm -hmm. you for your time. No, mate, thanks for the opportunity. It's great. <laughs>